special service, preparatory service, is from Matthew 19. Especially verse 26, the main verse for this morning's our sermon, Matthew 19, verse 26. But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So far. The theme for this morning is truly following Jesus. With the help of the Lord, three thoughts invited to follow. Follow me, come follow me, invited to follow the Lord Jesus. Secondly, impossible with men to follow. So the text says, with men this is impossible. And in the third place, possible with God to follow. All things are possible with him. So truly following Jesus. Invited to follow, impossible with men to follow, impossible with God to follow. Congregation, your friends, you are still in the north of Israel this morning. And the Lord Jesus is teaching the people. Great multitudes are following him. Not just one multitude, multitudes of people come to him, flock to him, and they like to hear his messages, and they like them. And he spoke to parents, being the children, and he spoke to the Pharisees. He spoke to quite a few people. And now we see when the Lord Jesus leaves in one of those towns, we see someone running. See him? That must be a very important man. I can see it on his clothing. He must be also very rich. I see someone running to the Lord Jesus. That's good to see, right? That's what it says in Mark, running. So he didn't want to be too late. He did not want to wait until tomorrow. He didn't want to procrastinate. He was in a hurry to come to Jesus. Wow, that looks good, right? And then he comes to the Lord Jesus and he falls on his knees. It's even better. Oh, what a man, someone drawn it like someone with haste, someone with a need in his heart. And he comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is this man? We don't know his name. But he was a very wealthy man, a businessman maybe, someone smart to maybe someone from a rich family who has inherited a lot. He was a wealthy man, that's what we know. And he was also a ruler, probably in the synagogue, someone governing the country in a religious sense, some of the elders at a young age yet. So this man is coming to Jesus. There's something not right. Something is bothering him. He is wondering about death. He knows I'm going to die someday. And he, he realized very well that all the wealth won't help him. He has, he's smart. He has insight. He's not sticking his head in the sand. 
he's a, he's a realist. And what if I die? Shall I in, inherit the kingdom of God then or not? That's his question. He is a very seriously minded man. He's not shallow. He's not just only thinking about his money. He thinks about death. He thinks about eternity. He thinks about inheriting the kingdom of God. So he realizes that money and all the possessions of this this world don't satisfy. He's not satisfied. Right? Otherwise he wouldn't have come and have run after the Lord Jesus and have been so interested. So he was young and yet not too young to be able to think deep. Was after this life. So we read in Mark 10, verse 17, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him. So, important questions. He needed to know. And he has a question, right? A question. Good master, he's asked. Good master. Because he wanted to know about salvation. Verse 16, and behold, look at that. Behold, one came and said unto the good master, What good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? Two times he's using the word good. Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he calls Jesus good. He knows that he is good. He has impressions about that. He has common impressions about salvation, about eternity, about heaven and the kingdom, and the Holy Ghost is kind of knocking on his door. But how can, I, can he inherit eternal life? That is, that's his question, his question. So many are seriously minded among us as well. Maybe you resemble him. Maybe you say, well, I have no complaints about my financial situation either. But it doesn't satisfy me. It does not fill my heart. I need more. Does that mean that you're saved? Is this man saved? Do we say to this young man, well, you're running. You're kneeling before the Lord Jesus. You're seriously minded. So, yeah. I conclude that the Lord is working your heart, right? Is that what you're saying? Because he does not have that seriousness of himself, does he? Or is it still possible that people have a conscience and there's still a, a common grace, something left after paradise, a, 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 to be realistic and to understand there is eternity? Can unconverted people have those questions and be running and kneeling before the Lord Jesus? Some say that it must be the Lord working there. 
Some say that can be from himself. So some say if you're interested in Jesus, and you kneel at his feet, and you read, his, read the Bible, and you call him to him, what should I do? You're on the right track. You can go to the Lord's Supper table. I won't say that. If you see in the context that this man running and kneeling and interested and seriously minded is unconverted. He's not safe. He's getting closer to it. He is before the threshold. He's not far from the kingdom, the Lord Jesus said. But he's not in. He's not safe. Something is lacking. Something is missing. So don't fall into the trap that seriously minded people must be saved because it's not from themselves and it's not from the devil. So it must be the Lord. There is also a common work and there are still some sparks left of knowledge and conscience even after our deep fall. Common impressions. But he's not happy and he is concerned so he's asking good master what shall I do? What shall I do? There we see something going wrong. Right? He's asking what he needs to do. He is in that rut of doing something to be saved. Good master, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? And the Lord Jesus knows this man. And his answer is, why call this dame good? Because this master of the synagogue, this ruler, is following the Lord Jesus, in a sense, outwardly, running after him, wanting to know how to enter into eternal life, but something is missing, right? And he calls the Lord Jesus, good, but what does, what does, he, what does he know about Jesus? Does he know that he's the Savior? He thinks he's, he's, an, he's a special person. So the Lord Jesus is wondering, why do you call me good? Nobody is good. Only one is good. What, a, what an answer. Why call this not make good? There is none good but one. See that? That's an important verse. There is none good but one. If I'm only a human, I'm not good. And nobody is. No one is seeking God. No one good. Nobody. There's not only the Lord, there's not only the Apostle Paul saying that in Romans 3, the Lord Jesus himself said it. None good. You're all away from the Lord. We all left the Lord in paradise. There is nobody good by himself. So many say that they go to heaven because they're doing their best. 80% of church people, they say, when you ask the question, why do you think you go to heaven? And they say, well, I I do my best. 80% of church people, I do my best. I'm, I'm deep down, I'm good. And I am responsible. And I'm seeking and I'm believing, and I'm working, 
and I'm praying, and I'm going to church. Nobody good. Did you find it out, friend? Does your heart say amen on that? You know, even Muslims have a deep understanding of sin, right? But do we have a saving understanding of sin? Sin against a good doing God. Not being good at all ourselves. Hopeless cases. Nobody good. It's not enough in itself, but it is necessary to understand that you're not good. And you know, before conversion, people think still highly of self. I go to church, I do my best, I read my Bible. What else can I do? I'm not a criminal, I'm not a thug, I do my best. But when the Holy Spirit comes and teaches us about self, we come to the conclusion that we are not good, that we are evil deep down. And we begin to see that and to mourn about it and to be ashamed of it and to call the Lord uh, uh, for it. So one of those first martial graves, right? Nobody good. By Omega, there is none good but one that is God. But if thou wilt enter into, the, into life, keep the commandments. So the Lord Jesus is going to challenge this man. He said he is good. He says that he can do good things. He is able to do that. And the Lord Jesus is putting pressure on him. If thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. No, the Lord Jesus is not saying that we can keep the commandments. The Lord Jesus is not saying that by keeping the commandments, we can be, be saved ourselves. But he is, he is challenging this man. Keep the commandments. And he said unto him, which? What commandments? And the Lord Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not have false witness against thy neighbor, honor thy father and thy mother, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So the Lord Jesus is mentioning the second table of the law. I was wondering why. And someone wrote, because the second table of the law is easier. So the Lord started with the easier part. I'm not so sure that it's easier. But I see the point. He comes with the second part, not, not, not the first. So the Lord Jesus is going to say, let's start here. Let's begin here. There's more. Let's, be, let's begin with the second table of the law. See how you're doing there. And the young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up since I was a little boy. I have kept it up. What lack I yet? But does he not ask you, What shall I do? No, he's saying, What lack, what lack, lack I have? So I don't understand this. 
He is kind of double-hearted, isn't he? So he's respecting the Lord Jesus, and he has heard this command to keep the commandments, and he's saying, yes, yes, I did. And the Lord Jesus said, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And come and follow me. was the first thought, not invited to, to come. And come and follow me. So Christ goes deeper. If thou will be perfect, because there was something lack in the heartless man, and he didn't know himself. So the Lord Jesus challenged him. Challenged him to sell all he had and then come back and follow him. Christ knew this man. He knew him very well. And therefore this question was asked whether he was willing to do that. But he... um, he, he, he couldn't. But what Lord Jesus is asking is, is it the world or me? Is it your possessions or me? You have to choose. You cannot serve two, 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 two masters. You have to serve him or the other. Let me give you an example, children. Example. Someone has two pails of water, heavy pails of water carrying. And he this kind of time to eat. But he is in a hurry to bring those pails of water to the barn. And you present him a sandwich. He says, just wait. I can't I can't, I can't accept it now because I'm holding those heavy pails of water. I have to bring it to the barn first. He cannot accept that sandwich because he has his hands full. Just an example. But if we have our hands full with the world, we cannot, there's no room to receive something in an empty hand. You have to just put those spells down and let loose and let go. And then we have that hand free to receive that Centered. And so it is also in, 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 in the spiritual sense. We are so busy holding so tight to things and money and life and self and our good works. We have to just let it go. It's either or. So that's why the Lord Jesus said, let go. Let go. Let, let go of those pails. Let, let, let go of the world and, and turn your back to it and come, follow me. In the gospel according to Mark, there is another detail. It says that the Lord Jesus loved this man. He said, all, all those things have I kept from my youth since I am a little boy. And the Lord Jesus loved him. Really? For what? Because he had done his best. 
because he has ultimately walked in the ways of the Lord? Does the Lord love that, that people are just decent and obedient and religious? Is that the reason? No. I would think I would connect that to what the Lord Jesus said about Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Remember the text? That he had been willing to gather them together as the hen gathered the chicken and the wings, but they would not. That, that's behind her. The goodness of the Lord. The Lord did not hate this person. He said, sell and come. Oh, please come back and follow me. You're, you're so welcome to follow me. And that's an invitation that comes to, to him. It's an invitation that comes to all of us, right? Come and follow me. No, I'm not saying follow me. That means that you have to come to the Lord's supper table. But the follow me means spiritually, personally, between you and the Lord. To follow him with all your sins and all the burdens of this life especially your guilt, to follow him. A kind invitation to seek that pearl of great price and to let all those other pearls go. Invited. Brings you the second thought. Impossible with men to follow Jesus. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that the rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Hardly. Hardly. It's with great difficulty for a rich man. So why is that? You say riches can be an obstacle, can stand in the way, can just suck all your attention to the money. So that's why the percentage of rich people among God's people is low? Is that what's meant? I don't think so. Because it doesn't only say hardly, it also says impossible, right, in our verse. It is impossible. And why is it impossible for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God? You tell me. Because it is, because it is impossible for everyone. Because you're all rich. You say, is that the meaning of this? That we, we all have to take this to heart? Are we all rich then? Yes, we are. That's why the disciples responded like that. And they were exceedingly sorrowful. Exceedingly amazed, rather. Who can then be saved? So they took that personally. So they understood that this was not only a message for rich people. This is a message for all people. Because you're all rich. And it is impossible to all. Impossible. So impossible as, as to get the camel that was on the biggest animals to go through the eye of a needle. That's not hard. That's not very, very difficult. It is simply impossible. 
And you know that story of a small porch door in the wall where a camel can hardly get in. He has to get on his knees and then can just worm himself in there. That story is a myth of Lady Date. Several commentators just say this is absolutely nonsense. This is some people have in their mind to make it possible, to make it hard but possible for someone to be saved. It is not hard. It is impossible. And that's what the Lord Jesus really meant, a needle's eye, and nothing else but the eye of a needle. So there's absolutely no way to get the camel in there. Impossible. Following Jesus is impossible for anyone. And why is that? Well, the Lord Jesus is asking everything. And you know that we have no free will, do you? Let us, let us elaborate on that, on that impossible. Why is it impossible? Can you choose, children, can you choose what colors you like the best? Can you choose what colors you like the best? At catechism classes, I said not too long ago, what, is, what, what color do you like? And someone said, I think he said green. I said, I give you $1,000 if you change it to purple. He smiled. Okay, he said. Give me the $1,000. No. You can't. If you think that the color is ugly, you cannot make it, you, you cannot begin to like it. You, you can't. Can you find something beautiful that you think is ugly? So it's ugly. You, you, you really think it's ugly. And I tell you, you should like it. Can you like it? Can you say, oh, yeah, right, it's beautiful. I, I see it, it's beautiful now. Can you force yourself to find something beautiful that is in your eyes ugly? Can you love someone when you hate that person? Can you? Can you choose to love a certain vegetable, but you think it is just ugly and bitter and terrible? Can you treasure the Lord Jesus Christ if he is not dear to you? Can we do it ourselves? It is impossible. Romans 8 verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the love of God, neither indeed can be. It can be. You, you cannot. It's the same as that impossibility. So can you make yourself enjoy classical music if you don't like it? Can you make yourself enjoy it? Can you make yourself love a color? Can you make love? Can you make love yourself? Can you make yourself love prayer? Can you make yourself love the Bible reading? Can you make 
yourself love the church. You can do what you don't like to. What do they say? You can do what you don't like to. But you can't like what you don't like. Can you like what you don't like? I can't. Nobody can. If you don't like Jesus, you can't like him. Believing, if you force yourself to trust in the Lord Jesus, is artificial. It's coerced. And if you doubt Christ, and if you doubt the gospel, you cannot believe in it. If you doubt it, you cannot believe in it. You can control your actions, but you cannot control your will. In this sense, you are by nature dead in sins and trespasses. And these say, who can then be saved? Have you discovered this personally? Have you seen how deep we fell and admitted that we are by nature enemies of God? Is your believing fake? And do you just pretend to trust in Christ and deep down you don't? You know you should, but you don't. Do you profess him with the lips and your heart is far from him? Or could you not help it but believe because the Holy Spirit made you? A loving heart can produce loving deeds. But an unloving heart cannot produce a loving heart. A loving heart can produce loving deeds. But if you have a loving heart, you can do loving deeds. But an unloving heart cannot produce a loving heart. It's impossible. And yet the Lord does not state that we don't need to follow if we cannot. The Lord says, yet to this young man, follow me. Follow me, come back and follow me. Impossible. And yet the Lord does not give permission to resist because we cannot do anything different. No. So let's all examine our own hearts. If we treasure Christ, if we would say, then I'd rather sell everything. And maybe it's another sin in your case. Maybe you have discovered other sins that are so powerful in your life. And you cannot let that go. The Lord says, come and follow me. And I lay that here before you. Come and follow me. What a blessing if people discover their own unwillingness, their own resistance, their own impossibilities. But impossible does not mean not, not necessary. It is still necessary. And still the calling. It's the calling, follow me. The calling, come unto me. And although we are 
Although we can't come, the Lord yet calls, right? And it makes our guilt even heavier. And we cannot defend ourselves. Say, well, I just, just can't, so I don't feel guilty. The Lord has a right to ask those things. Impossible with men to follow. Brings to the third thought. Congregation, the disciples heard it. Impossible. Absolutely impossible. No way. And were amazed and shocked and said, Who can then be saved? Do you know the answer? Who can then be saved? By a miracle. By something we call a new birth. That's necessary. And if there's no new birth, there cannot be faith. There's the call to follow. Oh, yes. There's that come unto him. There's that believe in him and repent in him, but there is no possibility. We can't. We can't just give ourselves a new heart. I can't make myself love something. I can't make myself love prayer. I cannot make myself love Christ. I can't. It's absolutely absurd possible. And yet, a miracle can happen. That is what's needed. You may never have truly listened to sermons. If I ask, can you mention a sermon you have heard in your life? And if you say, I can't remember any, that, that happens. It happens that many that, that people say, I don't recall any sermon. Or if I ask, what is the Bible chapter you love? And people say, I don't know. I have no, 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 no interest at all in the whole Bible. Nothing stands out. But there is no desire to read the Bible at all. There is no desire for Christ at all. But other things are compelling. Pornography is compelling. Or Christianity is boring. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing, and then the Lord comes, surprisingly, and one-sided, and he makes a beginning. And that person who never listened and was never interested, I don't know what happened. He begins to realize that he needs to die. And he begins to realize that he has to let go. And there is... That, that, that holy interest uh, becomes a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And the person feels, I, I must die, and I cannot die. And the Lord begins to work. He desires to read that Bible and to receive a solution. And it comes further than that with the rich and ruler. was trying to do something and then turned his way back from the Lord. He's back to the Lord and just, and just left. 
choosing this world over him. But then to follow Christ, to begin to hear his voice like the sheep do, that is regeneration. And when we receive that insight, the whole world is seen in a different light. The things we love, we don't love anymore. The things we didn't like, begin to like. Things important become trivial. And we begin to treasure the Lord. And we feel that grief of sin and are in need of a Savior. And whether it's man, whether it's we begin to run, but more than run. Because we see that we cannot inherit eternal life by, by anything we do. We give up. We begin to repent, Lord, be merciful to me, sinner, and we just can't leave anymore. For wonder, wonder of God's mercy. Do you hear that, uncovered friends? Jesus beholding him, loved him. So there is also an, an, an invitation to the whole congregation. But at the same time, we need that new heart in order to be really interested. The cancer doors speak about that quite beautifully on page 108, article 11. Let me read it to you. But when God accomplishes his good pleasure, and he begins with his good pleasure in the elect or works in them through conversion, he not only causes the gospel to be externally preached to them and powerfully illuminates their mind by his Holy Spirit that they may rightly understand and discern the things of the Spirit of God. But by the efficacy of the same regenerating spirit pervades the inmost recesses of the man. He opens the closed. He softens the hardened heart and circumcises that which was uncircumcised, infuses new qualities into the will, which, though he, he to for death, he quickens from being evil, disobedient, and refractory, he, re he renders it good obedient and pliable, actuates and strengthens it that like a good tree it may bring forth the fruits of good actions. And also in the next article it speaks about something supernatural, most powerful, delightful, astonishing, mysterious, affable, not inferior in efficacy to creation or the re resurrection of the dead. A big, huge, complete wonder needs to happen to, 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 to change the person. So he must repent and he must believe before that. But he cannot. And through regeneration, it's given. And then it, it happens. Therefore, also, a man in himself rightly said to believe and repent 
by the virtue of that grace received. By the virtue of the grace received, people begin to repent to believe. But then it is not because they have to. That is not like, I like that color, I say, although deep down I don't. No, it becomes genuine. It's the Lord Jesus speaking here, right? And the Lord Jesus spoke to this man. Verily, verily. I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, and the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, you so shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So the Lord Jesus tells his disciples that they will enter to the kingdom of God by God's grace because of that regeneration. Christ spoke to this rich ruler and to the disciples how different he was because he gave up everything. This rich ruler did not want to give up anything. Lord Jesus gave, gave, gave everything. He was, it was not robbery to call himself equal unto God, but he left it all behind. And he sacrificed. And he came to this sin-cursed world to save people who did not want to be saved. To change people who refused to choose him. And he, 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 he came and made himself poor and worth of reputation. And so he, he, he gave his blood and he died for the church so that he would save them and would change them and all the glory would be for him and not for anyone else. So that Jesus is the opposite and how painful that this rich young ruler turned himself away from him. And how painful for the Lord Jesus that people still do that. They just turn their backs to Jesus and don't like that pearl of great price. So if that was you and things have changed and you have been drawn to the world and the Lord has given you a sincere desire to know that Savior, and if he has revealed himself to you, and if you be, be, begin to treasure him, well, that is saving grace. Believing in him and treasuring him is, in fact, the same. Believing is not just forcing to tell yourself you're safe. Believing is highly valuing highly esteeming, treasuring, loving the Lord Jesus Christ. That's one of the characteristics of the faith. You don't have to have it on top of faith. Not so that you need faith plus, 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 plus. No. True faith is treasuring him. True faith is trusting him. True faith is loving him. It's all included. It's a package. It's not just one little thing. 
By faith only. Sola fide, yes. But that faith is a faith of working by love. The Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, and yet possessing all things. And so the Lord Jesus himself became a man of no reputation and had nothing, and let all things go for the glory of his Father. So meditate upon that this week. That the Lord invites his people to the table. But that he invites all others to the gospel table. And consider this week for yourself. Whether you follow him. Treasure him. Whether you have found a place where your sins at his feet to not do, you th- do things yourself, but to give up on self, to not do anything. Because this, this rich and ruler wanted to do things. Have you given up on that? That there is no, nothing you do anymore. That you let him do it to inherit eternal life. Because that's the true faith. That you don't do it. That he's doing it. And you follow him, drawn by the Holy Spirit. A week of preparation is meant not only to examine your heart, if you can attend, it's also meant to prepare God's people. The God's people just get ready for that and long for that and meditate upon it, what it will be. May the Lord give his blessing. Amen.